Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Casey Vallier, nice enough to return with us once more here on IND Sports Talk. Casey, the clock starts now, and we're not playing $100,000 Pyramid. Uh, we're trying to <laughs> dr- navigate this final segment. Colts Raiders tomorrow. You know I'm a Chiefs guy. Even though they played the Chiefs tough on Monday Night Football, that is a dumpster fire. Colts at least have something going on on one side of the ball. Where are your expectations for tomorrow, and where should Colts fans temper their expectations with a offensive coordinator that is two years older than me, at least in terms of who's calling plays, uh, and Jeff Saturday tomorrow? Yes. So, you know, it's funny. It's kind of been a, a, a wide range of emotions this week for the way I looked at this game because Monday, Tuesday, with all the stuff going on with the Colts, I said, okay, the Rados will probably find a way to win because there's a bunch of turmoil. And then all of a sudden you've got Waller, Renfro to IR, Blake Martinez retiring. And then I go, wait a minute, it's like a 15-point swing for the Colts in a matter of a couple days. You said dumpster fire with what's going on with the Raiders. There's definitely something going on. Now we get the Rappaport report this morning that there's serious thought that maybe Sean Payton might be coming in, taking Josh McDaniels' job next year. There's all kinds of stuff going on with the Raiders. I like the Colts' odds. I mean, I think that that offense is definitely dynamic, and that is one thing that gives them you know, a definite – plus compared to what they face as far as that quarterback, wide receiver, running back duo or trio that you have to face. But their defense is its bad. And I like I truly like the Colts heading into tomorrow, which I never thought I would be saying, especially when you look back at the beginning of the year. I thought this was going to be a matchup of two teams that are fighting for you know positioning in the playoff standings. And right now you're almost looking at who's going to lose this game and get better draft stock. So it's bizarre for sure. Casey, I appreciate you making time for me as always. Of course, buddy. Appreciate you. That is Casey Valier. Nice enough to take some time with us. We switch gears. Head coach of the Hanover Panthers, Matt Theobald. Nice enough to join us. Coach, I apologize, but I know you call in with Coach Lovell all the time. We are on a on a on a time crunch here, so I'll, I'll leave the floor to you. Twenty four to three. Victory Bell is back home. Take me through senior day, coach. Well, uh it, it was it was Franklin senior day. It was a lot of snow. Uh, we actually had a had a uh, little delay to the game because they they weren't finished plowing the snow for the game, so it was a little bit of a as Mike Linder would call it an edge to mow game. So we kind of had to adjust on the fly, and uh, we came out guns a blazing, and, and our defense played really really well today. Our D line controlled the uh, line of scrimmage all day, and and they did a great job with their gap control. And I think we held Franklin to under 200 yards total offense, and. Uh, I think our quarterback was about coach, 299 passing. Coach, yes, do me a favor. I want to give you justice, and I just looked at my my timesheet wrong. We got a whole longer segment here coming up in about four minutes. Do you mind? You mind if I, I bring you on then at the top of the eleven o'clock hour? Yeah, bring me on then. Awesome. That is, that is Coach Matt Theobald of the Hanover Panthers. We'll get a proper recap of the victory bell coming back home to Hanover. We come back on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. 
Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the final hour of Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. The victory bell. Where's it going? Well, we're going to find out in just a second from a scoreboard update. Spoiler, it's going back to Hanover. We'll talk with Matt Theobald of the Hanover Panthers in just a little bit. But first, he once climbed Mount Everest. He is the star of the show. He's Network Indiana's Brad Huber with your scores. Jimmy Cook, not so sure about that one, but I appreciate it. Uh, good to be with you and Sam Fritz tonight. Good evening, everybody. A busy day of college football and basketball across the state. Let's talk college football as the Notre Dame Fighting Irish hold on to beat Navy 35-32. Notre Dame led 35-13. Navy scored 19 unanswered to make that game a close one. Indiana, they fell big time to Ohio State today in Columbus, 56-14. Indiana's bowl hopes are gone. Purdue, on the other hand, a big upset on the road in Champaign, knocking off number 21, Illinois, 31-24. Purdue very much alive in the Big Ten West race to try to get to Lucas Oil Stadium for the Big Ten championship game. They need to beat Northwestern and Indiana and have Iowa lose to either Minnesota or Nebraska, one of those two, and it will be the Boilermakers in the Big Ten West. Drake beat Butler today, 27-24. Indiana State, their only win of the season. I, I take that back. They ended an eight-game losing skid to Western Illinois, 21-0 today. Valpo Beacons beat Maris, 45-24. A big congratulations to the Greyhounds of the University of Indianapolis. They beat Truman State 28-14 to win the Great Lakes Valley Championship. They're headed to the Division II playoffs, which begin next week. Division three, the Anderson Ravens get their only win of the season. They beat Manchester 19-12. The battle for the Monon Bell in Greencastle today, it was the Tigers all over Wabash Little Giants, 49-14. They are the NCAC champions. They are headed to the NCAA Division Three playoffs. We have Coach from Hanover on with us. They bring home the victory bell today in Franklin, 24-3 over the Grizzlies. Mount St. Joseph's beat Rose Holman, 40-31, and Tryon beat Kalamazoo, 42-19. NAIA will have two Indiana teams in the playoffs next week. Indiana Wesleyan was all over Madonna, 79-7, and Marion also headed to the playoffs, 45-14 over Lawrence Tech. Concordia, Michigan beat St. Francis, 27-10, and Siena Heights defeated Taylor, 24-7. College basketball today, it was the Sycamores of Indiana State beating the Ball State Cardinals, 83-71. That was in Terre Haute today. St. Louis, the Billikens beat the Purple Aces of Evansville, 83-65. Purdue-Fort Wayne winners today over Southern Illinois Edwardsville, 81-76. Purdue-Northwest beat William Jewell, 77-62. Division three today, Anderson beat Kalamazoo 81-71, and Adrian by a point over Manchester 67-66. NAIA, a big upset win for Bethel over number 22, Oregon Tech, 87-85. The Pilots start 5-0 on the season. Calumet College of St. Joseph's, winners over Trinity Christian, 83-69 for their first win of the season. Goshen losing to the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio, 87-44. Grace, big winners over Bushnell, 89-66. They start the season 5-0. St. Xavier got the best of Holy Cross today, 76-67. Huntington in action right now at Southern Oregon. Huntington leading 68-57 with 14-44 to go in that ball game. 
Dort beat IU East 96-85 to in the Northwestern Classic in Orange City, Iowa. IU Kokomo, big winners over Carolina University in the Bayville Francis Invitational in Rio Grande, Ohio. That was 96-39. to How about a triple overtime win for IU Northwest over Judson today, 95-91. to Indiana Tech starts 5-0 on the season. They beat Madonna, 84-71. Marion, winners over Shawnee State, 72-67. Oakland City beat Simmons College of Kentucky, 84-58. Cumberland, winners over St. Francis of Indiana, 69-58. to How about the NBA? A big win for the Indiana Pacers, defeating Toronto Raptors, 118-104. The Pacers outscored the Raptors 36-14 in the fourth quarter. Six players in double figures led by Buddy Heald with 22. Fort Wayne Medans for the Sioux Falls, 124-114. The Cyclones and the Nailers both win. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Brad Huber. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Rivalry games all across the state of Indiana in college football. We did not do it justice in our previous segment, so nice enough to come back on is the head coach of the Hanover Panthers, Matt Theobald. Coach, 92nd Victory Bell game today. Opportunity to spoil senior day. For Franklin, you achieve both those from start to finish. Coach, look up and down the, the box score, and at least how that game went looked like uh, a, an impressive business day taken care of by your Panthers. Yeah, I, like I, I said before, I mean, our guys, you know, we, we had a sour taste in our mouth after last year's victory bell game. We kind of gave it away in the second half, and kudos to Coach Hensel and those guys. They pulled off a great game last year, and so our guys were – Really, really focused. Really, I think it might have been our best game we played all year, offensively, defensively, special teams-wise. I mean, just the intensity. I think the uh, nice layer of snow uh, on the ground added another layer to it. Um, There was a little bit of a delay getting it plowed. And then um, we came out, and uh, our guys were were ready, and and, and Matt Weimer threw it well. He had, I think he played his last college football game, had 299 in the air. Um, spread the ball around. Hunter Eats had an amazing day. Uh, had a 50-yarder catch. Had a couple touchdowns. Um, Austin Opal ran the ball really, really well. I know he had over 100 yards over at halftime. I think he finished with like 180 or 160. I can't remember. Um, but it, and then the defense just, you know, Franklin does a great job. They have a great quarterback and a, and a you know, super young, athletic. Uh, Skill guys and our defense just did a great job, and I think we held them under 200 yards. And uh, <clears throat> just I was I was really happy for our seniors to go out on a win and to bring the bell back to to, to Hanover. Um, it was a uh, it was just an all around fun day. A little chilly, but I, you know I told the guys I said what a, what a memory they're going to have for the rest of their lives. Uh, winning the bell with all the snow around it, it, it uh, took me back to when I played '95 and '97. Uh, our 95 team, we finished 10 and 0. We won it in a snowball, and uh, had a lot of guys tonight texting me congratulating us uh, for the win. So that's that's what that's why I came back here was to get Hanover back where it needed to be, and that was winning the bell year in and year out. And uh, happy those alumni guys are, are happy with the with the job our our kids did today. 
Fourth victory bell in the last five seasons for your group coach. And you mentioned seniors like Matthew Weimer. I know you kind of kind of summed that up there, but to kind of put a bow on it all, you're right. People forget this sometimes in college athletic. There's a lot of seniors. Some people, their football time ends in high school. Other people to get the opportunity to play at the next level, play with a rich tradition program like Hanover. What does it mean to this group to be able to, like you mentioned, join the long list of Panthers of yesteryear? to cap off their play with a victory bell win? Well, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, we, we finished five and five and we, 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 uh, we, we lost a couple of conference games that, that we were in and, uh, and grew up a little bit early in the season, but to see the smiles on those senior faces and, and my longtime assistant, uh, Matt Brown, who's my offense coordinator, you know, he said today, he's like, this is the first time, We've ever won the victory bell and 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 ended the season on a positive note because normally when we were at Franklin when we were at Hanover together we we win it and go to the national playoffs sure. and then you're playing the you know the the, the Titans and uh, you know this one we finished five and five but to see the the seniors like Cody Horner and and Nash Murphy two guys from Columbus East that came here and you know and and, and they battled you know Cody Horner our, our corner had a torn labrum and a, and a pulled hamstring and. He just battled today just to finish, you know, to finish the race. And that's what we talked about for our seniors. And Devontae Hardeman is our captain, and he, he's, he's led us in, in, in the weight room and on the practice field and on the football field. And it, it's a, it was great to see those guys just go out as a winner and, and know that, that they're going to look back and say, man, that last football game I won. There, there's not many people in this career this line of business to get to do that and uh and, and what a great game it was an awesome atmosphere i love those guys up at franklin there's a lot of guys that i've coached and and, and uh so i mean hensel does it right and and those guys and and uh it's just a fun game to play in today and uh it, it you know it's a game where you can be 0 and 10 and 10 to no and both teams are going to come out swinging and they won't leave it all on the field so uh you know we'll get back to the weight room on monday and start you know start getting ready to defend the bell it's easy to win. Um, it's harder to defend it and keep it keep it home. So uh, that's that's kind of the, the message that we talked about with our guys. I'm sure it was like something out of a movie for those guys. The snow coming down, everything, and, and getting are, to win the victory all. bell, coach. I'm I'm, I'm I'm so happy for your group. Uh, congratulations on the win, and uh, I n- expect nothing less. Getting back into the weight room on Monday and getting set for next season. Congrats on a strong strong finish to the year, winning the victory bell, coach. I appreciate it, man. Thank you guys for everything you all do for uh, Indiana High School and College Athletics. Appreciate that. Thank you so much, Coach. I got I got to give those compliments to the Coach Bob Lovell, though. He's the Hall of Famer. He does it all, but appreciate you making time for us. All the same, Hanover wins 24-3. to We'll be back after this. Kevin Bowen's going to talk Colts, what to expect tomorrow. Colts Raiders. Jeff, Saturday debut on Indiana Sports Talk. A big day of college football and basketball across this great state of Indiana. Let's talk football here. The number 20 ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish held on to beat the midshipmen of Navy 35-32. Notre Dame had a 35-13 lead before Navy came back and scored 19 unanswered. Indiana falls big time to the Ohio State Buckeyes in Columbus today, 56-14. Indiana's bowl hopes are now officially gone for 2022. On the other hand, 
hand, though, the Purdue Boilermakers, a huge win in Champaign, 31-24 over number 21, Illinois. The Boilermakers very much remain alive in the Big Ten West Divisional race. They need to beat Northwestern and Indiana. Iowa needs to lose to either Minnesota or Nebraska, and Purdue will win the Big Ten West in play in Indianapolis. Drake beat Butler today, 27-24. Indiana State, the Sycamore, snapped an eight-game losing skid. They beat Western Illinois, 21 to nothing. Valpo Beacons beat Maris, 45-24. Big congrats to the Greyhounds of the University of Indianapolis, 18th ranked in Division II. They knocked off 22nd ranked Truman State, 28-14, and they win their eighth Great Lakes Valley Conference Championship. They are headed to the Division II playoffs beginning next week. Division Three: Anderson beat Manchester. Anderson, their first win of the season, 19-12. DePaul beat Wabash, 49-14 in the Monon Bell game. The Tigers win the NCAC Championship. They are headed to the Division Three Championship. Hanover beat Franklin, 24-3 in the Victory Bell game. Mount St. Joseph's 40-31 over Rhodes-Holman. Tribe beat Kalamazoo, 42-19. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Brad Huber. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell, as we continue rolling here on a Saturday. Joining us now, he is one half of America's greatest morning show. That's right, not just sports, morning show in general. It is Kevin Bowen of Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. KB, how are you here on a Saturday evening? Jimmy Cook, always great to hear your voice. I'm doing swell. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I am looking forward to another fun Sunday of NFL football uh, because, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan and I also enjoy watching, uh, well, usually the Colts succeed, but right now it's flounder around and try to figure out who the heck they are. Speaking of which... It's a soap opera game tomorrow. It, yes. it's, it's General <laughs> Hospital versus Days of Our Lives, Colts and Raiders. That's exactly what it is tomorrow. And And for a lot of people... Just that storyline alone is enough to lock you in if you're here locally to see what in the heck the Colts are going to look like underneath new interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Uh, There's so many places I could start with you, KB, but we'll just start with the obvious one. You have Jeff Saturday on like you do every week on Kevin and Query hours before it becomes announced that Reich's out and Jeff Saturday's interim. Take me through that interview process first and do you think he knew already when he had that conversation with you well i um yes he did know one one thousand percent uh there's zero doubt in my mind that he knew and my other thought is boy um i don't want to be at the same poker table as jeff saturday because <laughs> you go back and listen to that jimmy which i'm sure you did mm-hmm. like it's it's kind of wild to think that he could handle it like that i mean the only little inkling of anything he said. Well, I guess two things stood out from the interview. One is he was super in-depth about the offensive line. I mean, very like... More so than past weeks? Yes, yes, I would say definitely more so, Um, which obviously they had nine sacks, and now we've heard that Jim Irsay called him from the press box in (laughs) Foxborough to ask him about what the hell was going on with the O-line. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, Then the other thing was, and I think Jake asked him, Kind of indirectly, like, you know, how do you think Jim Irsay views how the season's unfolded? And I think the closest thing Saturday got to, you know, reading anything into it was he's got to be incredibly frustrated. So, clearly, he was in the process of, you know, hiring Jeff Saturday and firing Frank Reich. I think that's a key part there, you know, hiring Jeff Saturday first. I mean, it was Jeff Saturday had to say yes before he told Frank Reich you're fired. 
Um, that's usually not how this stuff operates. I know behind the scenes, we're you know we're kind of like, well, you got to feel for who your new coach is going to be before you fire. Yeah, I don't think that typically happens with interim coaches. You, know, you should just you just do that to send a message. You know, I think that's what Carolina did earlier this year when they fired Matt Rule. So, um, yeah, I think from a timing standpoint, you know, late late Sunday night, early Monday morning, and then things you know, pen to paper and all that happened late Monday morning, and we had them on at nine thirty, and officially announced around eleven thirty or noon. When you look at the move and how quick everything happened. Who do you feel worse for the the coaching staff that, you know, Gus Bradley is one of the first one to come to mind. John Fox comes to mind as well of potential options for an interim guy. Do you feel more bad for them that Jeff Saturday, who was 20 and 16 as a high school head coach? Uh, I say that in jest, obviously had a great career, you know, is, is an icon of indie sports. No doubt about that. But be that as it may, stat is the stat. So do you feel worse for the coaching staff that got passed on for the interim job or for Frank Reich and the fact that he's out the door um, in one of the first moves, if not the first move of Jim Ursay in his tenure of making a midseason firing like this? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, there was merit to do what Jim Ursay did. There was merit to fire Frank Reich. Um, definitely. I will – I will wholeheartedly agree with the owner on that. I thought he handled it um, horrifically, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, he fired Frank Reich over the phone. I mean, this is Frank Reich. Like, this is a human being that I've said many times. I think I've said it to you, Jimmy. Like, top three nicest right. dudes I've ever come across. Mm-hmm. Um, have some decency to do that in person. I don't know if the Zoom link didn't work either or what, but – um, that's a really bad look by the owner. Um, and I, frankly, I think it's pretty un Jim like you know, I mean, he got on jets to, you know, cut Peyton Manning and, and tell Reggie Wayne that they weren't going to bring him back. And yeah, it just, that rubbed me the wrong way. You know, as far as overlooking guys on the staff, part of me thinks this again, Frank Reich was fired because this coaching staff has not gotten that roster to play at the level that is acceptable. But I also realized that, you know, guys like Gus Bradley and John Fox. And the name that I would have promoted would have been Bubba Ventrone, the interim as a special teams coordinator. You know, when Frank Reich's been out due to some COVID reasons and I think a death in the family, Bubba Ventrone's been the guy who's led, you know, practices. And I think he's got an opportunity to be kind of a a young uh, up-and-coming coach in this league. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you certainly feel for the guys that have been grinding Monday through Saturday and, and all of that, but, you know, it's not like their hands are completely clean either, and they deserve this opportunity. So it's complicated. You know, I, I know I waffled a little bit with that answer, and there's a lot of gray area around it. Uh, but I think many times that's kind of how this stuff unfolds. You think uh, phone call just a step above a text message in terms of the ways that could have gone down? I, I feels like me breaking up with my girlfriend in seventh grade, you know? I'm like, well, I'm just going to stop talking to her, you know? Like, I just, I mean, Frank Wright, the philanthropic side of what he did in this city. Deserves uh, way better. You know? Yeah. 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 And, you know, I'm sure a little bit sounds like I'm whining and whatnot. I'm carrying Frank's water, this and that. Um, I just thought it was a really bad look by a guy in Jim Mersey who I don't think is a bad human being. I don't think he did it from a malicious standpoint. Um, I don't care where you are in the country. You hop on your plane, your plane, you get to West 56th Street, and if you feel like that move is necessary, you do that, you do that in person to Frank Wright. And I've even heard that, you know, and I don't, I don't know if this is 100% true, but 
Um, I've heard that he's told Frank Reich that, you know, he'll he'll meet with him a week or two down the road. I mean, what? <laughs> you know, like, why is that necessary at that point? So Yeah, I'm good if um, I'm yeah, Frank. Yeah. I'm, I appreciate that, Jim, but not nah, that's all right. You, you take it care. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> why... Kevin Bowen joining us here on Indiana Sports Talking. Follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070. Why is Chris Ballard, at least in Jim Irsay's eyes, publicly anyway? I guess if you're a Colts fan that doesn't like Ballard, maybe you're clinging to hope that he just likes Ballard and is putting him, you know, kind of pumping him up still confidently to the media because he likes him and doesn't want to disrespect him that way. Why is Ballard scot-free in all this, at least in terms of how this week has gone. Because in my mind, to your point, the coaching staff has definitely failed in setting up or building a game plan week in and week out to utilize this roster strengths. But also, that's the most overpaid offensive line in football, and that used to be a compliment into a strong suit for this team. And they failed in a number of different position groups, all of which were Ballard's men. Why is he appearing to get a clean slate right now, or is his uh, date with the Reapers, so to speak, just a move down the calendar a couple months yeah that's again another really good question um i do think there's an element that jim ursay still believes in chris ballard i I don't think the date necessarily is just moved down the calendar um having said that i would think of people that have jim ursay's ear the most right now inside that building it is just saturday well before chris ballard and if i were chris ballard i would be a little bit uh, I don't put off the right word, but that would certainly, you know, have my interest in terms of how I view my position and my stranglehold maybe within the organization. Um, you know, to your other point about, again, how Ursa views Ballard, I mean, he said it this week. I don't know if it was with us Monday at the press conference, but maybe it was in that follow-up he had with Bob Kravitz and Mike Chappell the next night, and basically saying the offensive line personnel he thinks is the right group or the right guys. He just felt like – the coaching staff, previous coaching staff, did not do a good enough job. Um, I would probably push back on that, but it seems like Ursay is more of a believer in this roster than probably public perception is. Um, and I also go back to the Ursay quote when Ballard was hired. You know, he called him the greatest hire, greatest GM hire of the 21st century. I, you know, maybe he's still holding on to that. Uh, I'm a big believer in the NFL that you tie guys at the hip. When mm-hmm. Jim Irsay gave the contract extension to Frank Reich, because remember, Frank Reich was hired the year after Chris Bauer. When he gave that contract extension to him, to both of those guys, I should say, last August, uh, just 15 months ago, through 2026, that to me means you're tied at the hip. And when it's time to make a decision, if one goes, both goes. Kevin Bowen, nice enough to join us. KB, we got to take a quick break, but hoping you still got time to talk a little bit more Colts and look ahead to tomorrow's showdown. You bet, man. We'll be back after this on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. And two Indiana teams in the NAIA level are headed to the playoffs next week. Number five, Indiana Wesleyan, all over Madonna today, 79-7. And number seven, Marion beat Lawrence Tech, 45-14. Both of them are dancing next week. Concordia, Michigan beat St. Francis, 27-10. Sienna Heights over Taylor, 24-7. College basketball, Indiana State got the best of the Ball State Cardinals, 83-71. St. Louis, the Billikens beat Evansville, 83-65. Purdue, Fort Wayne over Southern Illinois, Edwards. 81-76. Division 2, Purdue Northwest got the best of William Jewell, 77-62. Division 3, Anderson beat Kalamazoo, 81-71. Adrian by a point over Manchester, 67-66. 
NAIA Bethel upset number 22, Oregon Tech, 87-85. Five and those start for the Pilots. Calumet College of St. Joseph's beat Trinity Christian, 83-69. Their first win of the season. Goshen loses handily to Miami of Ohio, 87-44. Grace starts 5-0 on the year. They beat Bushnell, 89-66. St. Xavier over Holy Cross, 76-67. Just going final out West Huntington beat Southern Oregon, 100-88. Dort beat IU East 96-85. IU Kokomo all over Carolina University 96-39. In triple overtime, IU Northwest beat Judson 95-91. Indiana Tech 5-0 beat Madonna 84-71. Marion beat Shawnee State 72-67. Oakland City winners over Simmons College of Kentucky 84-58. And Cumberland winners over St. Francis today 69-58. Pacers also winners over the Raptors. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Brad Huber. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Joining us once again, one half of Kevin and Query. It's Kevin Bowen of 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Talked last segment about the chaos that was this past week for the Indianapolis Colts. Firing Frank Reich, naming Jeff Satterley interim head coach. And now all of a sudden, KB, you got to get set to play a team that, in theory, for a guy that's never coached at the college or professional level, not a bad team to start up against in the lowly 2-6 and six Raiders. How would you prepare for Las Vegas, given everything that's happened with them this season? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, obviously, when you look at their record, whoa, they're more dysfunctional than the Colts. <laughs> uh, that's kind of my first thought. And yep. I would say you know this, Jimmy, pretty well as being an AFC West guy. Um, they play good football. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I know they're two and six, but this is a football team that has had 17 point leads, blown 17 point leads in three of those six losses. They have had all six losses by one possession. So, uh, you know, the Colts certainly can't say that. Um, again, I get it. At the end of the day, your record is your record. But if you want to look at long stretches of quality football, the Raiders have played much more, uh, many more of, of those long stretches than, than the Colts have. Um, as far as the matchup, I think the one thing that stands out to me is just Josh Jacobs and Devonta Adams are easily the best running back wide receiver combination the Colts have faced all year long. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Terry McLaurin in Washington, sure, really good wideout. Uh, Derrick Henry, yeah, speaks for itself. But outside of Kansas City, I think this is the best skill group the Colts have played. Now, really, it's only two guys, which I know sounds kind of weird. Um, but that's how I feel about about the Raiders. Again, I think Jacobs and Adams are studs at their respective positions. And Derek Carr, as Colts fans have seen, because this has turned into kind of an annual matchup, Colts and Raiders, uh, he can manage the operation really, really well. Um, I think it's just some other like unique storylines to keep in mind. And again, the soap opera has dominated the start of the week. Um, but it is a Raiders team with no Darren Waller and no Hunter Renfro. Two guys that went on injured reserve earlier this week. Those are two other important skill guys. Their leading tackler from last week retired this week. Uh, that's something to note. Yep. And then, like, oh, Josh McDaniels is their head coach. Oh, Gus Bradley is the defensive coordinator for the Colts. He's going back to face the the team he was just with. Uh, the Yannick Ngakwe, Rocky Yassine trade. You know, both of those guys facing their old team. So there's a lot of other kind of subplots we haven't even got to this week. But I guess in summary, the Colts' defense has played really good football this season. They also have played some very bad offenses. I think this will be a pretty good test 
from a car Adams Jacob standpoint. Yeah, as a Chiefs guy, the fader, excuse me, the Raiders. You hate to see hate to see the struggles out there. It's really it's just it's it's painful for me to to see them go through that. Oh, it's really God. it's really it's really tough. Um, <laughs> speaking of the blown leads, <laughs> speaking of the blown leads they've had this year, uh, one of which was the Chiefs, but that's neither here nor there. Um, if they jump out to a seventeen to nothing lead, like they have, as you mentioned, in three of these six losses. Are the Colts capable at this point? I know it's a hard question to answer when you have a first-time play caller and you have a first-time head coach, but are the Colts capable as constructed with a healthy Jonathan Taylor coming back from a deficit like that? Uh, no. I, yeah, I, mean, I can't say I have any confidence right now. Um, it's a team that scored, what, over 21 times all year. Yep. They're coming off literally their worst offensive performance in the history of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and like you said, Sam Ellinger is about to make his third start, and it's his third different offensive coordinator, which is just wild. And Parks Frazier, um, you know, is a guy that's never been a full-time position coach at the college or NFL level. He's never called plays at the college or NFL level. Uh, so, yeah, the Colts need to finally play from ahead. Because, again, both organizations are dealing with their own dysfunction. I think whoever can get out to a lead just creates more turmoil. It's quicker fuses. You know, quicker drama on each sideline for whichever team can get off to a better start. And obviously, it's something the Colts have not done at all this season, not scoring on a single opening drive this year, you know, down at halftime in 11 straight games, all of that. Um, so, no, they are not built to come back. I think one interesting element to point out about the Raiders, you know, on paper, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones is a really good pass rushing mm-hmm. duo, really good. But they haven't performed like that this season. They have not been a very disruptive front. I think they're dead last, honestly, in the NFL, Raiders and sacks. So, when the Colts come off of nine sacks last week, you know, that, again, on paper, this is a matchup that I circled as, oh, boy, this will be a big test to the O-line. It has not played out like that this season. Matt Ryan has practiced this week. Does it mean anything with Jeff Saturday being there now? I saw Zach Kiefer tweeted something along the lines of Ursay was going to let Saturday have kind of full reign of what he wanted to do at quarterback. Does it mean anything that Matt Ryan was out of practice this week? You know, you go off Jim Irsay's comments earlier in the week, and I say that because, again, I think Jim Irsay is controlling how they're handling quarterback more than anybody inside that building. Um, and he acted like all three guys are on the table. Now, there is a financial component. If Matt Ryan goes out there and he gets hurt, the guaranteed money for next season is going to rise. I don't think you can ignore that considering your cap situation and where it's at. Um, so I, I do think it's something worth noting. Um, and, you know, I, I you know heard some whispers this week that Parks Frazier is going to be their play caller. Maybe some other guys inside of that building were offered that play calling job under the stipulations that they would like a different quarterback in there. And that was not granted to them. Um, so I think that adds just another complicated layer to all sure. of this. Uh, but let me make this very clear, Jimmy. We don't need to see Matt Ryan and Nick Foles again this season. Like, just play Sam Ellinger. It's not an ideal evaluation, but it's some evaluation on the young kids. So um, I'm good with playing them. Um, again, I know that's a little bit more of a long-term approach and not necessarily we're trying to win games right now, but that's the reality of where the season's at. Look, I've made this clear tonight. Kevin Bowen joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070, host of Kevin and Query, and the beat writer for 107.5, the fan and content creator there for your Indianapolis Colts coverage, among other things. I've made this clear tonight, KB, and I've kind of made it clear throughout the station that for me, the Colts season's over. 
Like, and it should have been over two weeks ago. I am of the mentality of I either want my teams to be great or I want them to be awful. I don't want this in-between mm-hmm. thing where you're in a purgatory every other year of flirting with hosting an AFC home game in the first round and then either winning that barely and then getting blown out the next game, whatever the case may be. I want great or I want awful. I don't want to be in-between. Colts, in my mind, are in between. That's not a great spot to be in. What's their outlook the rest of the season? Because, yes, the South is still in play, but I love the city of Indianapolis, love the economic boost a playoff game would occur for them. I don't want them there. Yeah, I totally hear you out. And I want to acknowledge this, Jimmy, and you know this. There's different types of fandom. Sure. There are fans that literally show up to Lucas Oil every week or insert your favorite team, and you want to see them win. Point blank, period. You don't care anything Mm long-term, short-term, coach quarterback, any of that. I totally, totally get that. But if you want to come at it from a, you care about this franchise and more of a long-term view, yes, the best case scenario would be for this team to get as high of a draft pick as possible. Because look at the quarterback needy teams right now in the top five. It's Carolina. Mm-hmm. It's Detroit. It's it's Houston. You know, it's, got, it's teams that need quarterbacks and need them, you know, arguably, well, I mean, everybody needs them as desperate as Indianapolis right now. But, um, you know, all of them are certainly going to take a long, hard look at that. Um, so it's a weird nature to fandom. It's awkward cheering for losses. I mean, I'm sitting there at the Pacer game Wednesday night against Denver, and it's the exact result probably the fan base wants. That's what I wanted. Highly highly competitive, back and forth, great opponent. Your young guys are making plays late. And unless you've got financial stake in the Pacers over-under on win totals this season, which (laughs) I I potentially have, um, you were happy with that result because you care about the lottery and you realize deep down that they're not. They they need more people. Um, So, again, it's foreign, I think, to this market. Jimmy, like, we're not used to this. You know, the Colts are typically a consistent contender. They just haven't been over the last, you know, half dozen years. And that goes back to the Jim Irsay comments on Monday that really, I think, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way of, you know, the upper quartile, quartile quote. He's gotten a lot of play. But it's a guy living in the past, in my opinion, too much. That was 13 years ago. We've got to live in reality. We've got to live in, live more in the present. And those numbers, while you know, you're not going to spew them out on you know a press release. The reality is this: you haven't won a division in eight years. You've won one playoff game in eight years. Houston, Jacksonville, and Tennessee have all won more divisions and have all advanced further in the playoffs. That's a really harsh reality when you're talking about the AFC South. We're not talking about some juggernaut of a division. So when you factor in all of that, yes. The best-case scenario is highly competitive losses, I think, if you want to have one eye looking towards the future. He's Kevin Bowen. Again, follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070. KB, always appreciate you making time for us. Jimmy, good luck to your Chiefs. I'll talk to you, man. Back in a moment on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. As we wrap up this Saturday night, let's look ahead to NFL football. Sunday begins at 9.30 a.m., the first ever NFL game in Germany as the Seattle Seahawks will play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The 1 o'clock slate looks like this. The Minnesota Vikings will play the Buffalo Bills. Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Jacksonville Jaguars at Jimmy Cook's Kansas City Chiefs. Cleveland Browns are in Miami to take on the Dolphins. The Houston Texans at New York to take on the Giants. The Saints will be at the Steelers. The Broncos at the Titans, 4:05, the game we've talked about. It'll be interesting to see what the Indianapolis Colts do. First game under Jeff Saturday. They are at the Las Vegas Raiders 
the two and six mark for them. 425, Dallas Cowboys are at the Green Bay Packers. The Arizona Cardinals at the Los Angeles Rams. Sunday Night Football will be the Los Angeles Chargers at the San Francisco 49ers. Monday Night Football, Washington Commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's your schedule for NFL Sunday and Monday coming up tomorrow. The Indiana Pacers got the win over the Toronto Raptors, 118-104. And the Pacers outscored the Raptors 36-14 in the fourth quarter. Six players in double figures led by Buddy Heald. G League Basketball, Sioux Falls Skyforce beat the Fort Wayne Mad Ants, 124-114. And ECHL Hockey, Cincinnati Cyclones beat the Indy Field, 5-2. Cincinnati scored, outscored the field 4-0 in the second and third periods. Fort Wayne Comets beat the Wheeling Nailers 2-1. All goals came in the first period. So, a great night. Hope everybody has a great rest of your weekend. I'm Brad Huber for Network Indiana Sports. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I am your host, Jimmy Cook. You can follow me on Twitter at the J Cook, filling in for the Hall of Famer Bob Lovell on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Colts fans, if you're still awake, if you're enjoying the final bit of Saturday night, maybe at home in front of the fire, maybe just sitting back enjoying some local radio, we thank you and wish you a fun Sunday tomorrow. So a couple segments left here, of course, but a fun Sunday all the same as the Jeff Saturday era gets underway here in Indianapolis. And look, I'll be honest with you, I don't know how things are going to go for Jeff Saturday. I know at a minimum he cares about this franchise, he cares about the city of Indianapolis, and he cares enough about the Ursay family and the direction of the Colts to leave a very, very cushy TV job. Not that he doesn't, you know, Jeff works very hard, but those are great gigs. People kill for those kind of gigs, be able to talk about NFL football throughout the entirety of the season and beyond. And he does radio hits locally uh, with Kevin and Query here on the fan. Does a, a great job there uh, on 93.5107.5, of course, whatever he's on throughout the season. And now he enters a new chapter of his life trying to navigate this just crazy, crazy thing that is the Indianapolis Colts. And I say thing because they are a vastly underwhelming team on offense, as we well know. You're, I, it's not a fair evaluation on Sam Ellinger. I'll be honest, he's probably a perennial backup. I mean, that, that's just that's about where he was evaluated. His best case scenario is not a long-term starter somewhere, but somebody that can come in in relief and, you know, make an impact when you need him to and be mobile and have some special packages for him. But that's about it in that regard. And the main reason he's out there, sure, you can argue that it is to see what he has. It's because the Colts don't want to pay Matt Ryan whatever is $12 million next season, guaranteed if he gets hurt. Matt Ryan can't navigate this offensive line. Matt Ryan, if you put him out there with a good offensive line and this running game and this wide receiving core, Colts are a better team, and it's not particularly close. Like, Matt Ryan's career might not be done, but he was misled by the Colts in terms of what this season was going to be. They were built around these core principles that they had the best offensive line in football and a running game that would be able to take pressure off of him, open things up and play action, and that his receivers, even though they didn't really target a wide receiver uh, outside of Alec Pierce, who's had a phenomenal season, by the way. But outside of Pierce, they still had key holes on that area of offense. They didn't address them. And Jonathan Taylor, because of the offensive line struggles, he hasn't stayed healthy. 
So every this is this is the Falcons. This is what they are. They're the Falcons from a year ago. Matt Ryan running for his life, having issues trying to hook up with receivers because he doesn't have time to throw the ball. That is what the Colts became. That is why they benched him. And because of that injury clause and the fact the Colts don't have a ton to play for right now, that is why you're not going to see him again, or at least you shouldn't see him again in 2022. So we move to tomorrow against the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that can't find their way in terms of holding on to a lead out of a wet paper bag. They don't even know what winning is at this point outside of two wins they have on the season. Aside from that, though, when they have a big lead, means nothing. Kansas City, loss. Arizona, loss. Last year against the Jaguars, the Jaguars, loss. This team has given up about 25 points a game. Can't defend anybody to save their life. Tomorrow, Sam Ellinger might win AFC Player of the Week if Jeff Saturday is able to draw something up that's halfway invented for this team. I'm only half kidding there. The Raiders are horrendous. And regardless of what this is supposed to be for Jeff Saturday, the Colts, they shouldn't be a playoff team. They should be in dumpster fire mode, slog your way to the end of the season, hope you get a good pick, and hope maybe you can get one of those quarterbacks in Stroud or Young. Hopefully maybe the chips line up there. But if they do lose tomorrow, because they probably should win that game, even though I think they're six-point dogs, if they lose that game, the season has officially reached its bottom point. And I do not know where they go from here, but it's probably not with Jeff Saturday as your lead man. We'll take a break and wrap things up after this on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Sunday, the 13th of November, nearly upon us as NFL continues right along with their campaign as we approach yet another exciting week of NFL football, Colts Raiders will take place about 425 tomorrow. Week 10 in the NFL will kick off, already did with Thursday Night Football, but 9.30 a.m. action. Headed to Germany. Yeah, sehr gut. Seahawks, Buccaneers should be a fun one tomorrow. I want to bring in the stars of the show as well, Sam Fritz and Brad Huber. Uh, first, we will start with Brad. Brad, I always like to do this and give you guys an opportunity to, to shout out uh, what you're looking forward to in the sports world the rest of the weekend. Well, obviously what we've talked about quite a bit uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, first game under Jeff Saturday, what it looks like against a really bad Las Vegas team coming up tomorrow. But I'm going to go to Tuesday, actually, when the Ball State Cardinal football team nice. goes back into action, looking to become bowl eligible for the third straight season. They play Mac East leading Ohio at Schumann Stadium in Muncie. They just have to win one of their final two to become bowl eligible. So I'm going to look ahead to Tuesday, early next week, to see if the Ball State Cardinals, my alma mater, can get back to a bowl game. Well, I'll be honest with you. You had me at Maction. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> I'm all here for Gotta it. love the weekday Maction. Nothing like it, my friend. Uh, pleasure working with you again, and you have a wonderful weekend, okay? Thank you. You too, Jimmy. Head over to Sam Fritz now. Sam, in terms of your weekend schedule, what's on the dial for you? What do you want to see out of the sports world in the next 24 hours? So not to uh, piggyback off of Brad Huber too much, but I will also be in attendance at that Ball State nice. game as well. Uh, the weekend specifically, Purdue Boilermakers, Northwestern Wildcats. I'm going to be in West Lafayette to watch the game. Uh, my girlfriend, her father happens to be a coach for the Northwestern Wildcats, and I was invited to uh, join along, come see the game, pair of free tickets, free football. I can never turn something like that down. And then, you know, I'm sure I will also be celebrating the many Pacers victories that we'll be seeing. 
Sam kind of twisting the blade a little bit there. Uh, Pacers fans, look, I love the Sirs. I want them to to win some games this season. I want to see growth. I want to see progress. But I love me some Victor Wembanyama. So if the Pacers end up near that bottom half, you're not going to hear any arguments from me because I think he's a once-in-a-generational talent, and I would love to pair him up with the likes of Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton. I think that'd be a ton of fun to be able to see that at Gambridge Fieldhouse. All the same, though, I want to see big nights like tonight as well. They don't all need to be losses. And what a massive win for the Pacers tonight over the Toronto Raptors. Always good to see the blue and gold balling out. They're a fun team. They are a fun team. Just asking for one more, one more year. Try to get the ping pong balls to fall their way. It has been a wonderful night here on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I want to thank the coach, Bob Lovell, for opening up the chair for me to come in and come off the bench for him. He's a Hall of Famer for a reason. I hope I put this show half as well as he does on a weekendly basis throughout the year. This is, of course, Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Jimmy Cook. Thanks for listening to the legendary History-making Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Have a great weekend, everybody.